So just tap far down Do you want to go? Well, we could talk it out over a cup of joe And you could look deep into my eyes Like I was a supermodel
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And, of course, uh, I'm riding solo here for this one, and we've got a lot. Pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. What, what the fuck? Oh, I'm not into yoga. Yes, I like cocaine. Those are, those are not the and lyrics. Who Wait, what? What? Oh, hey, Mr. Bucciarelli. Gator, what the fuck are you doing here? I'm on vacation. Yeah, I know you're on vacation. I sent you on vacation. Why are you here? I got a pina colada. Uh, okay. Uh, I sound a lot happier, don't I? Yes, you, you do sound a lot happier. That's what happens when I drink. Wow, you and the ginger have something in common. Well, mine's non-alcoholic. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I'm drinking non-alcoholic pina colada. It's a wonderful thing. I don't have to worry about wrestling no more. Well, modern wrestling anyway. Bad wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I'm sitting on a beat, not in Orlando. Okay. I'm not in Orlando. Okay, you are not in Orlando. All right. Creed Brothers are not here. Okay, so you're not with the Creed Brothers. Hang on a second, Mr. Bridget. Well, what'd you say, Julius? Hang on a second. Julian, what'd you say? King Julian, what'd you... Okay, I'm sorry. No, I'm not with the Creed Brothers. I figured as such. I don't even know if you know. I'm not with the Creed Brothers. They are not here. Right, Barbara? I mean, Brutish? Hang on, Mr. Bugirelli. We all shut up. I'm trying to talk to Mr. Bugirelli. Okay. You're going to blow your cover. Yeah, you do realize this is We're a... not in Orlando. Okay, Gator, you, you do realize that this is AEW. No one gives a fuck about the Creed Brothers here. Right, because we're not in Orlando. Okay, we, we don't give a shit if you are or not. I'm on an island. Okay. In a specific ocean. Okay. It's Pacific Ocean, you know, you know, you got the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean. Yes, I, I think you mean Pacific Ocean. Do what now? It's the Pacific Ocean. No, it's the Pacific Ocean. Everybody knows it's the Atlantic and the Pacific. No, it's Pacific. A Pacific is what you put in a baby's mouth to shut him the fuck up. Duh, everybody knows that. Oh, my mistake. Duh. God, I have time for this shit. All right, so. Yes, you do, and you're editing this as well. I mean, I got a pina colada. <laughs> yes, you have a pina colada. Children? Yes, your gator is alive. He's. I am alive. It's been a wonderful day. Mr. Bujarelli, I'm in Hawaii. This is where the Aztecs are, okay? This is where they had Lucha Underground. They did not have it in Hawaii. They had it in Mexico. Mr. Bujarelli, no, they didn't. They had it in Boyle Heights, Hawaii. It was in California, not in Hawaii. No, it was in Hawaii. Mr. Bujarelli, you don't know nothing. It was in Hawaii, okay? Down here with the Aztecs and that feller that pulled the guy's heart out in Indiana Jones. This the is... The Temple of the Doom. Okay, none of this was in Hawaii. None of it. Motherfucker, it was in Hawaii. That's why I'm sitting here with my toes in the water and my ass in the clay. It's sand. No, it's the clay. Um, there ain't no sand here. Uh, it's actually more like toes in the water, ass on the side of a rock. Okay. Well, no, it was in Boyle Heights, Los Angeles. It was Lucha Underground. Yeah, Hawaii. It was not in Hawaii. It was in California. Mr. Bujarelli, all of the Tongans live in Hawaii. They do not live in Hawaii. They live in Samoa. No, they don't. No, Samoans live in Samoa. Duh. Anyway. Okay, this is getting goddamn ridiculous. I'm just saying. I'm on vacation. I'm down here where they filmed Lucha Underground. I'm down here in Hawaii. Not in Orlando. The Creed Brothers are not here. 
<laughs> okay, no one gives Wait, a man. fuck. Hang on a minute. Hang on, hang on a minute. What do you mean we're going to Universal Studios tomorrow? That's fine. Order my. Hang on a second, Mr. Boudreaux. Yeah, order my tickets. Universal. Right, right. Universal Studios or let. I mean, uh, Hawaii. Um. Okay. This all sounds regarding Orlando. <laughs> Anyway, I'm on vacation. Yes, you are on vacation. But I figured while I was on vacation, I would introduce Mr. Bujaretti. Because here's the thing, folks. Since I'm on vacation, and I no longer, and it's a permanent vacation, I no longer have to do the AEW. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Gator Ricky Ross, and I am proud to present wrestling. Yes. We're going to be talking wrestling now. No, you're going to be talking wrestling because I am going back on vacation. Do you like pina coladas and hitting your dick with a hammer? Something about <laughs> yogurt and a girl in cabana. Okay. soldier in the heart of America. Anyway, Mr. Budgerelli, don't worry. Be happy. I'm going back to the beach. All right. Um, yes, obviously. We... Back to the beach. Now, I shall see you later, Mr. Budgerelli. I got my toes in the water. Ass on a rock. It's hotter than shit, and I'm a stroke in my cock. Don't worry. Okay, and now that we've had that awkward moment to open the show, I think now we'll get started with the AEW. But first, we got to do what we always do, which is um, hit the high spots with Collision. And, of course, Collision uh, opens up with uh, the AEW World Tag Team title match, FTR versus uh, Big Bill and Brian Cage. It was a really solid tag team match. Um, obviously, you know, FTR got the win which was definitely something that needed to happen because uh, Big Bill and Brian Cage are not ready to be champions. What I also like about it is the moments where Big Bill was selling were selling in a way that was actually believable instead of the phony shit that normally happens with Big Bill whenever he wrestles smaller guys. It's Everything's usually when done in a fake way that makes Big Bill look like the biggest pussy in the locker room, and I'm glad FTR did not allow that to happen. Then, of course, afterwards, they challenged the Young Bucks to a tag title match at... Wembley Stadium, which obviously is a match you want to have at Wembley Stadium, which is the third and final uh, rubber match between the two. As we all know, uh, FTR won the first fight. The Young Bucks won the second fight. Now we got this third battle right here, which is, as much as I hate the Young Bucks, this is a money-making match. So obviously, that's a match we need to see, and obviously I'll elaborate more on this a little bit later. Then, of course, for the TBS Championship, uh, Chris Statlander defended against Marcel Mercedes Martinez, Chris Statlander won this match. Basically, Mercedes Martinez got fucked over royally. They brought out Diamante to help Martinez beat her down. Then Willow Nightingale came out to make the save, which was goddamn ridiculous because Chris Statlander should not be the TBS champion. This is an example of talented rest talented women being buried underneath untalented women for the simple fact that the marks get their rocks off on untalented wrestlers as opposed to talented ones. So basically, this match pissed me off. Then Samoa Joe makes quick work of Serpentico as well. He should just puts him in the Coquia clutch. He instantly taps out. That's the way it should be because Serpentico is a piece of shit jobber who needs to fucking not be on TV as much as possible. Then Joe grabs a microphone addressing the fact that he wants a match at All In before addressing the real world champion and the fact their last battle ended in a roll up, which he thinks should not be the end of their legacy. Then he calls out CM Punk for a match at All In and he says, he gets the courtesy of this week to respond, promises something much more violent if he has to wait until next week. Okay, here's my issue with this. 
As I mentioned before, I am not a fan of the Elite. I think they are cancer cells. It's why I don't acknowledge any matches that they do, with the exception of blood and guts. However, with all due respect to Samoa Joe, because I am a fan, the fact that Punk is probably going to face Samoa Joe and not Kenny Omega is fucking stupid. Again, this is an example of the Elite being pussies because Wembley Stadium is going to be the biggest match, the biggest show that AEW has. You want to stack this card with as many great big name matches as possible. And right now, Punk and the Elite are the money makers for one simple reason and one reason only. And that is because of the real life backstage fight that took place last year. Why would you not want to book this? Other than the Elite is too fucking chicken shit to step in the ring with CM Punk. And it's well documented. The Elite are pussies. Punk has tried to reach out to them. They refuse to respond. They have the whole lawyer cease and desist bullshit. Not only that, but they didn't even have the fucking balls, and by they I mean the elite, to go out to the ring in Chicago when Dynamite was in Chicago. They did a pre-taped segment in the back because they were too fucking cowardly to go out there and face that hostile crowd. As opposed to CM Punk, who has gone out to the ring when there have been hostile crowds confronting him because they're drinking the Kool-Aid that the elite continues to serve. Now, Samoa Joe and CM Punk, it's going to be a great match. And if this does happen at All In, obviously I'm going to watch it and I know I'm going to enjoy it. But this just goes to show that the Elite doesn't know how to properly do business. Because it should be CMFTR against the Kenny and the Bucks. Now, the good news is it seems like they're getting it half right with FTR versus the Bucks. But the fact that Kenny is too much of a pussy to step in the ring with Punk, we have to settle for Punk versus Joe. Another reason why I can't respect the Elite. And speaking of Punk, we had the main event match for the Real World Championship where Punk defended against Ricky Starks with Ricky the Diva Steamboat as the guest referee. Now, Punk and Starks, they did what they always do. They put on a great main event match because both these men are phenomenal workers. My biggest complaint with this match is that Ricky Steamboat was supposed to be the guest referee, but he spent most of his time outside the ring while an actual referee was in the ring officiating the match, and Ricky didn't get in until it was time to count the one, two, three when the other ref got knocked unconscious. And then Ricky Starks whips Steamboat with a leather belt, and then Punk comes back in as Ricky tries to get out of Dodge, which I enjoy because once I found out what a piece of shit Steamboat is in real life, I get great pleasure out of seeing him get humbled. But of course, Steamboat being outside the ring for most of the match is the ammo of Ricky Steamboat, which is make the most amount of money you can by doing the least amount of work. That's pretty much Steamboat's ammo. Pay him a bunch of legendary money, but basically have him half-ass everything he fucking does. And again, I know this as someone who worked a show that Steamboat was on and saw what a lazy, unprofessional piece of shit he is. So I have evidence to back up my claim on Steamboat. So don't think I'm just making fun of him for the sake of making fun of him. I legit have met this guy and know that he is shit. As a wrestler, one of the best. As a human being and a businessman, he is shit. And on that note, we're now going to jump into uh, AEW Dynamite over here. And we head down to ringside to start things off with the Jericho Appreciation Society mandatory meeting as Daddy Magic introduces their leader, Chris Jericho. Jericho makes his way to the ring with Mike in hand, looking slightly smug but also slightly concerned as he enters the ring. Jericho says it's fine that they come down here without him, but he comes to the ring as their friend only for Garcia to interrupt him, telling the Ocho to let the AS 
speak instead. He calls Jericho out for what happened last week when he got hit with the bat and Jericho took advantage of the pin anyway. He talks about all the people that Garcia abandoned to follow Jericho. The fact that he became a sports entertainer. The fact that he chose Chris Jericho over everybody, but he doesn't understand why Der Jericho doesn't choose them. Garcia ends by saying he cannot do this anymore, taunting the Ocho with a dance before leaving the ring and going up the ramp. Jake Hager speaks up next, talking about their history and how much money he's made thanks to Chris. But if they have to cut ties, it's okay because we have a lot of options. And he liked that hat. Everyone now knows Hager does not appreciate Jericho as he drops the mic and leaves the ring. Jericho speaks on now talking about how proud he is of Anna Jay and Ty Cunty, especially with Anna's upcoming title match tonight. Ty interjects, saying she used to be proud, but not anymore. She feels sick and not because of the baby, before saying that she will go and have the baby come back and become champion without Jericho. Ty backs off as Anna speaks up saying tonight is about her, and she's learned from the best as she gets ready for the AW Women's World Championship bout, and it's not about appreciating Chris Jericho. Anna and Ty leave the ring as Cool Hand Luke speaks up, saying he doesn't want to stop being a sports entertainer. He stood by Jericho's side and fought many battles for him, but what has Jericho given Luke? He doesn't want to do this, but has no choice, saying he has nothing left to give Jericho as he leaves the ring. Menard says Jericho was his childhood hero, buying a Jericho t-shirt with his first paycheck from his first job. When his wife was pregnant and Menard had no job, Jericho talked with him and helped Menard get a job with AEW. The past few months have been nothing but a dream, but it's never sat right with him why guys he came up with like Eddie Kingston hated Jericho's guts. Now he understands and Menard drops the mic leaving the ring. This leaves us with Jericho and Sammy Guevara in the ring, with Sammy slapping the mic out of Jericho's hand before running down how long he's been by his side. It's clear to Sammy that Jericho has stuff to sort out, and if Jericho changes his mind, maybe Sammy will be there for him. Sammy drops the mic leaving the ring as he goes through the crowd, and we're left with a dejected Jericho in the ring as we go to break. Well, that was crazy. I'll be honest, I did not see that coming. Um... I expected the JAS to be angry. I expected them to be upset. But I didn't expect them to quit one by one, which I thought was really good because it shows that each of them were pissed off. It was all about appreciating Chris Jericho. They're not feeling appreciated in return, and they walk away. And that happens. You know, eventually, when you give and give and give to somebody, eventually, you expect that person to give to you in return. And when you see that the loyalty and the giving is only one-sided, you're only going to tolerate that for so long before finally you're like, fuck this, I'm out of here. And I can say that from my personal experience in the wrestling business. I gave and gave to UCW. And the more I started to realize that the giving was not a two-way street or that I had to strong arm in order to get back what was earned to me, I realized this company doesn't have my best interest at heart. It's only going to cause more drama to my life. So I said, fuck it, and I left. So I can understand the JAS and why they're upset. And I noticed that Sammy technically said, I'm not going to abandon Jericho. He's just going to tell him, get your shit together and then come find me. But everybody else was pretty much like, fuck you, Chris. And they all walked out. So now the big question is, what's going to happen with the JAS? Are they all going to form their own group and stay together as friends? Or are they going to disband and all go their separate ways into other storylines. Who knows? Maybe Anna Jay might go align with Jack Perry. Ty's obviously going to go home and have her baby and thank God because I am not comfortable with the pregnant woman in the goddamn wrestling ring, especially in a company that has a lot of accidents happen. Please get the pregnant bitch out the goddamn ring 
so she can go home, have her baby, and have a safe, healthy pregnancy. And that's why I want her out of the ring. I don't want to risk, God forbid, something happening to the baby. Get her ass out of the goddamn ring, finally. I'm assuming that uh, Cool Hand Luke and Matt Menard, they're going to go off and do their own thing because they're technically a tag team. Hopefully, Jake Hager can finally get himself to a point where he can finally be a fucking world title contender because the fact they're not putting him in the world title pictures are goddamn ridiculous. And then Sammy, we can figure out what happens to him. But the big question is, what's going to happen with Jericho? Well, after this, we cut to the backstage area where Jericho is intercepted by Callus about what happened just moments ago. And the Ocho says he's made his decision and he'll make the announcement next week. Okay, now here's where I personally am getting a little confused. And I'm going to tell you why. First off, the Jericho Appreciation Society basically just told Chris Jericho to fuck off. That is essentially what we just saw in that ring. So why do we need to wait until next week for Jericho to make his decision? Now, if everybody walked out on me, I, my decision's already made up. I'm joining the Don Callis family because my friends and my teammates no longer want to be part of me. So because he's waiting till next week, I'm thinking one of two things is going to happen. Either A, the predictable thing is going to happen and Jericho is going to join the Don Callis family. Or this is all one big giant swerve and the Jericho Appreciation Society is going to beat up Don Callis and Takeshna. Because right now, those are the only two members of the Don Callis family. Don Callis has nobody else in his group. Nobody. Except Takesha. I mean, he worked with the Blackpool Combat Club, but that was more of an affiliation. They weren't like members of the family. Because the Blackpool Combat Club does their own thing. So, if Don Callis wants to grow this family, he needs more people. And because he has such a history with Chris Jericho, it would make sense for Jericho to join the family. It would also be something different for Jericho to do. Because the JAS isn't really doing anything for him. Now, on the flip side, Jericho was trying to be a different person. And it looked like Jericho was on the verge of a babyface turn. And obviously, if he wants to be a babyface, he can't associate with Don Callis. So maybe Jericho might make the decision, fuck everybody, and I'm just going to go solo. I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to climb my way back to the world title. And ultimately, that's what Jericho should do. Either that or join the family. But I think the JAS has run its course and it needs to disband because there's nothing else you can do with the Jericho Appreciation Society. And on that note, we're going to skip the first official match of the evening as it involves two tag teams that can die in a fire. Although I will say at the end of this, the Young Bucks do accept the challenge for a match against FTR at All In. FTR comes out, stares them down, holds up their titles. So we now know they're going to face each other at All In. So like I said, they got it half right. They got FTR versus the Bucks, the third and final match. All I'm going to say is this. FTR damn well better win. I swear to God, if the Bucks win the tag belts, I'm walking away from AEW. And yes, I'm making that statement right now. That will be the final straw for me to go fuck this whole company. If they make the horrible booking decision to take the tag belts off of FTR and get them to the Bucks and try to sell the idea that the Bucks are better than FTR when anybody that watches wrestling with a brain in their skull can tell you FTR is superior in every fucking way. They're the ones that need to stand on top of the tag team mountain. And there will come a day when FTR will have to drop the titles, but not to the dumb fucks. 
I swear to God, FTR better win this fucking match. Next, we see a uh, video package of Hikaru Shida defeating Tony Storm at the 200th edition of Dynamite to become a two-time women's world champion. And a tournament begins that will culminate in a four-way match and all-in for the championship. Now, we know that Tony Storm is automatically inserted into this match because of her rematch clause. And Hikaru Shida is defending the title against Anna Jay. So the winner of that match will be added to this fatal four-way. And then there's two other matches. I think one might be taking place on Dynamite. Another one is going to be on fucking Rampage. So obviously when that's revealed, we'll talk more about that. Because obviously I don't watch Rampage. So we're not going to talk about that match. But we'll see who gets added. I think it's Soraya versus Sky Blue. I pray to God Soraya wins that match. And then I think it's Britt Baker versus The Bunny next week on Dynamite. And then that will decide who's in the Fatal 4-Way match at All In. And of course, this is another one of those matches that's designed to get everybody on the card because they want to make sure they have everybody take part in All In so that way there's no one sitting at home going, I deserve to be on the show, even though they don't draw any money. Then again, AEW doesn't care about making money, so fuck it, just go for it. Then of course, the main event for All In was made official as MJF agrees to a World Championship match against Adam Cole and the two pals continue to bond as they head to a trampoline park. This seems to reveal some cracks in the friendship as MJF overdoes it on the dodgeball, something that Cole admonishes him for before a little girl calls him out for hanging out at the trampoline park in the first place. Um, this is a funny segment. Basically, um, MJF shows up and he's wearing uh, shorts and stuff, so he thinks they're going to go to the to the pool or the beach and go hook up with some rats. But Adam's like, no, we're going to a trampoline park. And MJF is like, what the? And it cuts away because that's when it's saying, what the fuck? So MJF's sitting there looking all pouty and angry as Adam Cole is jumping on the trampoline, talking about how much fun he's having. Then he hears about dodgeball. So MJF's kind of like, all right, I'll play dodgeball. Grabs the ball, throws him at the kids, like Adam Sandler, Billy. Madison style and then Adam Cole yells at him until this kid says they're too old to be hanging out in the trampoline park and then she flips off Adam Cole so he looks at MJF and goes alright you can throw this one and then he decks her with the ball so it was a funny segment and even though it's goofy and silly because it's MJF and Adam Cole and their chemistry is so great this is comedy and wrestling done right it's done by the right people and it's actually entertaining instead of forcing you to laugh because you feel uncomfortable then then we get a rundown of the Anything Goes match from last week, followed by the parking lot fight on Rampage between the BCC and the Best Friends. Then we cut to the backstage area with John Moxley, who talks down the Best Friends before focusing on the Lucha Brothers, challenging them to a tag match later tonight. Claudio then calls Pac out for turning his back on the BCC at Blood and Guts before Yuta brings up the injury he sustained and how he might miss All In as a result. So it looks like Pac is on the injured list, which sucks because I actually like Pac. But as much as I enjoyed this promo, because Moxley is definitely a good promo and Claudio is definitely getting much better on the mic, I'm not excited for this match because you know anything involving the lucha brothers is usually going to be a spot fest from hell but more on that later on that note we're going to cut to the next match of the evening for the ftw championship under ftw rules jack perry defends the title against rob van dam this was a very good match in the sense that there was a lot more wrestling than i thought there was going to be I expected this 
to be a spot fest from hell based on the two people that are in the ring. But Jack Perry has proven he's a much better worker, and I think Rob Van Dam, because of his age, is not as much of a spot monkey as he used to be. Now, granted, he still has his signature spots, like the Rolling Thunder and the Van Daminator and the Van Terminator and all that, and the Five Star Frog Splash. You know, he's going to have his signatures that the fans know him for. And in that regard, I can let those go. But because RVD's up there in age, obviously he knows he has to actually work and can't really do the insane stunts like he used to because he knows he's not a spring chicken anymore. And that goes to show that Rob Van Dam does know how to work because he actually did work for the majority of this match. And in the end, Jack Perry was able to get the win after hitting a low blow and ramming him headfirst into the chair in the corner and then rolling him up and grabbing the tights for the one, two, three. That was a brilliant finish by Jack Perry. That was such a great heel finish that I'm actually proud of Jack Perry. He is getting so much better in the ring. His mic skills, they still need a little improvement, but he's improving better week by week. I truly believe Jack Perry is going to earn the right to call himself a pillar by the end of this year. I can feel it because this match was very well done. Then we cut to the backstage area with the Lucha Brothers who are with uh, Rene Paquette as they talk down the BCC and promise to pick up the win and tag action tonight. The promos were actually pretty good. I was shocked that um, they spoke English, but um, either way, they were decent promos and they did their job of selling the match. And then we cut back to ringside with MJF and Adam Cole as they head to the ring. The world champion talks down heavily edited and very fake footage of him saying everyone in the Midwest is mid before hyping up his favorite place in the United States of America is the Midwest. He even said, if I'm lying, may God strike me dead. And then he kind of paused to see if it would happen. And then he went, aha, I'm alive. Adam Cole follows suit with story time, talking about the AW World Championship match at All In, which Adam believes he's going to win. MJF takes this to mean it's a promo battle. And he said he's so skinny and pale and white that if he was around in the 80s, Hogan would have snorted him. And then makes fun of other things about Adam Cole before he cuts him off. Cole talks about wanting to go all in on some wrestling history, addressing the attempt to get the AEW World Tag Team titles before talking about another pair of tag titles that mean the world to him, the ROH World Tag Team Championship. Cole says he owes his entire career to Ring of Honor, and the wrestling we know and love is thanks to Ring of Honor. Cole talks about his accolades in Ring of Honor, saying the tag titles are the only thing missing from the from that list. He hypes up the past champions before suggesting he and MJF challenge for the titles at Zero Hour in Wembley Stadium. Something MJF doesn't keen on, but for Adam Cole, he's willing to do the very thing that he hates to do, which is wrestle more than once in one night. MJF makes a challenge official, calling out Aussie Open before saying he and Adam Cole are better than you, baby. The celebration is cut short by the arrival of Roderick Strong, who is angry about Cole wanting to team with MJF and not with an ROH legend like Strong. MJF runs down Roderick, telling him to get in his car, go home, run up the stairs, slam the door to his room, jump into his bed, crying to his Hello Kitty pillow, put on his headphones, listen to Taylor Swift, and shake it off, you bland bitch. This starts a shake it off chant before Strong asks if Cole's gonna let MJF run him down like that. Rises the Kingdom were right. Cole isn't really his friend after all. The Kingdom arrived to leave with Strong as Cole shouts at MJF, telling him Cole is friends with Strong as well. This ends with Cole backing down and apologizing for the two hug it out, with Cole heading out to check on Roddy as MJF poses with his world championship. Alright, one thing I want to say right now is this. I love the chemistry between MJF and Adam Cole. It gets better and better every time I see them. 
And also, I am perfectly okay with them going for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. If anything, it would give them a reason to go back and forth between each promotion. And it allows MJF to get some Ring of Honor time. And maybe bring more eyes to Ring of Honor. Because a lot of people love MJF. So I think MJF and Adam Cole, from a rating standpoint, is perfect for Ring of Honor. So they should win the titles. Because Aussie Open ain't done shit with those belts. And unless you're a, a giant mark, you don't know who Aussie Open is, nor do you give a fuck. So let's get those titles around the waists of two actual stars that will help you make fucking money. And of course, Roderick Strong getting involved. Uh, I love that MJF finally went off on Roderick Strong. Although I am worried that Roderick Strong could be the person to ultimately cause the breakup between MJF and Adam Cole. Because I'm noticing MJF giving the shifty eyes to Cole a lot whenever bad shit happens. But he's like, alright, alright, I'll let it go. So my question is, is MJF really going to let it go? Or as he said to uh, Roddy, shake it off. Or could we see a potential backstabbing happen during the zero hour? And then when they go into the main event, they're no longer friends they're no longer a team and they're out there to kill each other and win that's the part that's intriguing me the most because i'm worried it's going to cause a breakup and they're not going to get the roh world tag team titles and i think breaking up this tag team is a horrible business decision to make because they're too fucking over you need to capitalize on this plus in order for them to break up you have to turn one of these guys fucking heel and at this point, if MJF goes heel, it's going to insult the intelligence of the fans, and you'll never be able to make him babyface again. And if Adam Cole turns heel, well, at least you got something, but it wouldn't make sense since Adam Cole is insanely over. So I say give him the ROH World Tag Team titles and draw some fucking ratings. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We've got the Lucha Brothers versus John Moxley and Claudio Castanoli. This was, as I mentioned before, was a spot fest from hell. I mean, just reckless stupid shit for the sake of doing reckless stupid shit. And also, Wheeler Useless living up to his fucking name. Because in this match, he was fucking useless. I mean, the Lucha Brothers are attacking from behind. By the barricade, where the Lucha Brothers jump over with Abrahantes, Wheeler Useless is clearly standing there. You're telling me this dumb motherfucker was not able to signal the Blackpool Combat Club or start swinging on some people to at least slow them down long enough for them to turn around and see? Like I said, this is why people call him Wheeler Useless. Because in the Blackpool Combat Club, he's fucking useless. And the whole thing was a waste of time. This was a stupid match with stupid spots that look phony and silly and not even worth talking about anymore, which is why I'm not even going to talk about it anymore. Hell, the finish was where um, they basically took off Penta's mask and rolled him up for a pen. Apparently, the reason he didn't kick out was because he was protecting his face. Now, look, I understand in Luchador Wrestling, the mask is sacred. I get that. But it should not be more sacred than winning a match. That's why, to me, the whole concept of wearing the mask and the mask having value, it's fucking stupid. At this point, it's fucking dumb. Especially on the internet, where people can go and find your real fucking face and what it looks like anyway. So who gives a shit? I think at this point, they just unmask both of them and let them wrestle. Because the masks are showing to be a fucking waste of time. And you took off Penta's mask to taunt him, but you left Ray Phoenix with his mask? Why not just take both? I'm sorry, this whole, I gotta protect my face and not let anybody see it because of some luchador tradition. After a certain point, this gets fucking dumb. The fact that you were willing to take an L to hide your face. 
It's fucking retarded. Then we cut to uh, Kenny talking to Marvez about he's going to address things in due time before walking off. He's got an interview with JR. He's going to talk about what his plans are for All In since the Bucks are facing FTR. He's not facing CM Punk, so I really don't give a shit. Then we cut to the Mogul Embassy in the ring as they make their way down the ramp and Swerve Singh looks to address what's been going on the past couple weeks. Prince Nana runs down the crowd before Swerve speaks up, saying last week they had to prove a point by going to Seattle and putting the fear of God in Nick Wayne. Swerve says the Mogul Embassy are above the authority around here, especially in Seattle. Before AR Fox tells Darby Allen to come out, and Darby comes out, telling AR to tell these people the whole story. Darby says he tried to help him, tried harder than anybody, but then he had to leave. AR Fox got to AEW all by himself, so he wants to know if he's just mad that Darby put in the word for Nick Wayne. Darby says AR has some new friends, but that's okay because Darby has some friends too. The room goes dark, then Sting comes out, they clear the ring. Forever's left alone with the ring with Sting, who hits him with a baseball bat, stares him down, and points to the screen indicating he wants a match at all in before Swerve heads out of the ring to regroup. Now, this is kind of similar to when Sting attacked Triple H and then pointed to the sign telling him, hey, I want to face you at WrestleMania. So that's what we're doing with that. And obviously, it's going to be Sting and Darby Allin against Swerve and AR Fox in a tag match because Sting's not going to wrestle one-on-one and they always have to attach him to Darby Allin, which is fucking bullshit. Because I'd rather see Sting be Sting on his own because I know he can still go. But, of course, we have to get everybody on the card. So another tag team match. And also, of course, um, you know, Darby telling the story about, you know, AR had demons, but eventually he tried to help, but he couldn't help him anymore. And he had to figure it out on his own, which a lot of people who are addicts, you know, you could try to help them all you want. You can do the best you can. But at the end of the day, they have to want to change for themselves. And it's not until they get to that point that they can truly be cured of their addiction. So I understand completely where Darby's coming from on that. And the fact that he said, I didn't have to put in a good, I had to put in a word for you. You got here on your own. But you're mad that I put in a word for Nick Wayne. And, you know, I kind of side with Darby on that one because AR Fox is so damn good and has such an impressive resume. He didn't need anybody to put in a good word for him. Nick Wayne obviously does because he's fucking garbage. And the fact that his name is attached to Darby Allen is the only logical reason I could think of for why Tony Khan would even sign this reckless kid. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the AEW Women's Championship. Hikaru Shida defends the title against Anna Jay. This was a very, very good, well done match. This was a stellar main event because Anna Jay is phenomenal in the ring. Shida is one of the few Japanese wrestlers I actually like, and they definitely did a great job in this match. The chemistry was great. The back-and-forth action was great. It was violent. It was hard-hitting. Even with uh, 3.0 getting involved, you know, trying to help Anna out, that was great. But in the end, Shida was able to hit the Falcon Arrow, get a near fall, then hit the Katana Kick for the pin and the win, despite uh, Cool Hand Luke's attempt to save Anna Jay, which looked fucking dumb, by the way. But either way, Hikaru Shida retains the title. She's now going to be in the Fatal 4-Way defending her title against Tony Storm and the other two women that will be named later but it's not every day you see great women's wrestling in AEW but here it is this was a very well done match by two women who know their shit now just because I like Sheeta 
Doesn't necessarily mean that I like her as the women's champion. I still feel like Tony Storm should have that. I still feel like Taya Valkyrie should have won that. And I think Taya should be in this fatal four-way match and should win it at all in. Because she is deserving of being a women's champion. Because Taya could actually draw fucking money for the company. But either way, everything seems to be shaping up. And this was actually overall one of the better episodes of Dynamite that I've seen. Like I said, there's only a few things on here that pissed me off. But overall... I enjoyed this. It was a very well done show and this was a very well done main event and it's definitely got me interested to tune in next week to see how the card's going to stack up for All In and of course Jericho's final decision. Alright and that ladies and gentlemen will wrap up this recap of AEW. I thank you guys for tuning in make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also like us on Facebook go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Check out the male soap opera moments, see our predictions for WWE SummerSlam, and be on the lookout for a recap of SummerSlam coming later this month. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel, check out all of our YouTube content, and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash the Boochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, November the 25th for WWE Survivor Series. We're still working out all the kinks, trying to get everything organized and set up to make sure the team will be able to provide you guys with a watch party because I personally will not be there because I will be with Buff Bagwell in Winston-Salem, North Carolina for WrestleCade. I'll be there for WrestleCade November 24th and 25th with Buff Bagwell so make sure you come see us in Winston-Salem. But the team is going to do their best to put together a watch party for you guys so make sure if you're not in the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area go to Twitch and hang out with the and hang out with the team for Survivor Series. And of course we have our live D&D show coming soon. Our Boochcast booking battle on special project in the works and of course you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support become a supporter of the Boochcast support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes we have three levels we can donate at pick the one that works the best within your budget we have our first level which is 99 cents one dollar per month we have our second level which is $4.99 $5 per month the same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription and a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10 per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold the Peacock, you got to know to put that $9.99. $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network and unlike Endeavor. We actually care about our fans. are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option to pay with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes they're to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any le- money left over when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby.
Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>